Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines now open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. And we kick off hour number two with a phone call. Steve in North Syracuse getting us started here in the 1 o'clock hour. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I have a question and it seems to me is relevant. Firstly, I'll make the observation. I don't remember the last time an SU basketball player, quote, tested the waters, unquote, and came back to Syracuse since maybe Derek Coleman, so I don't know how often this happens. But uh, I've been hearing about how Tyus Battle went out to California and went through a a rigorous training program to get himself in peak physical condition, and now he's in the the NBA uh, uh, combo here, and he's trying to uh, prove to them that he belongs. what, how much studying would he be doing during this time, and what would his academic standing be if he tried to come back? It sounds like he basically has to take a semester off to do this. My understanding, Steve, is that he's in very good academic standing, that he's actually on pace to graduate in three years. He's a smart kid. He spent the last couple summers up here. Uh, and again, the, the semester came to an end in late April. So depending, and I don't, I don't know specifically when he flew out to L.A. to start getting ready for the Combine, but... I don't know if we can assume that he didn't finish the semester. In fact, my my assumption would be that he got his work done and that he did finish out the semester. Um, and again, I don't know that to be fact. I do know that he's a bright kid, though, and and I, my guess is he's in he's in very good academic standing. Okay, so so he does have the option academically. Yes, uh, coming back. I'm yes, about absolutely. Yes. All right, Steve. Appreciate well, you checking. Didn't, uh, didn't Mike Waters and and uh, Mike or, or Donna report that uh, that he could graduate? If he comes back, that's what year? I just said. He's yeah. he's on pace to graduate yeah. in three so, years. With that, I, I, think like, I would imagine saying, that he's good enough. He's, to come he's back. fine to come back academically in terms of whether or not. I was referring to the point he made about whether or not he had to repeat the semester. My guess is no. Again, the semester came to an end in late April. Um, he declared. When did he declare? It was, it was around mid-April, right? When he said that he was going to test the waters. Well, no, it was late April. The deadline was the twenty-second. He waited almost until the deadline, didn't he? Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, there was like one week of classes left. By exactly. The time that's he had... that's my point. Is that it <laughs> yeah. was, there was a week or two of classes left. My guess is that he finished things up and that he's still on pace to graduate in three years. I don't know that to be fact, but the timing of the whole thing would suggest that he's he's just fine from an academic perspective. Steve brought up the fact that he can't remember the last time an SU basketball player declared, tested the waters, and then came back. They changed the rules just two years ago. Yeah, it's relatively so new. It's, it's, it's very different now where you can go to the combine now. You don't have to hire an agent. You can get more feedback. Before, there was a lot of guesswork involved. Like a guy like Chris McCullough, like he declared, but you know he had to do so before the combine, and, and he was going all along. He had a family to support. He had a kid on the way. He had made the decision that he was going, and you, you really did have to make the decision prior to the combine because the NCAA made you, and now the NCAA right. gives you the extra time. So... I think it is different now. He he really is the first guy to take advantage of this rule. Remember, Tyler Lydon didn't after his freshman year. He could have, you know, quote unquote, tested Malachi, the waters. Malachi did, didn't he? He didn't hire hire an agent until afterwards, or did he go right away? I'm trying to remember. I feel like, well, my point is Lydon could have tested yes, the waters and come, and come back. back, even though he really didn't want to go pro or you know feel like he was ready to go pro after his freshman year. He could have taken advantage of the rule. He didn't. He came back to school, didn't even go to the combine, and then obviously left after his sophomore year. I can't remember when exactly Malachi hired the agent. 
Um, but he but, was the first class my, to be able to take advantage. Correct. Of my my point is is that this is this is new. So it, it is. It is different in that he can go to the combine. He can get feedback. If he doesn't like his standing, if other guys rise above him or if he drops a little bit or a combination of both, and if he's falling in you know, mid-second round range and says, you know what, the draft class is weaker next year, I'm going to come back, I'm going to improve my stock, improve my jump shot, do everything the scouts are telling me, I'll go top 20 next year, You know, then maybe he does then that. Then it's worth it. right? If he feels comfortable with where he is you know, now, then he goes. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's that simple. I, I just, you know, I, I know that there are... Examples on both sides, right? There's there's the example of Justin Jackson, who did just that. He went to the combine, he performed all right, not great. Was told, hey, do this, this, and this. Came back, won ACC Player of the Year, had a great season, won a national title, and then left, right? And and went to the and went to the NBA. Was what a lottery pick? He was taken 14th, and and so he was a lottery pick, and and it worked out, right? That that is a a success story in this testing the waters, you know, era, right? This testing the water situation. And then there's the story of Nigel Hayes, who, if you watched him at Wisconsin, you would have said, hey, looks like a pretty good basketball player. Seems like a guy who's an NBAer, right? He's a four. He can pass. He can rebound. He can score. He can do a little bit of everything. He goes to the combine. He bombs. Terrible. Awful performance at the combine. Comes back to Wisconsin because of it, and then goes and goes undrafted and is now in the G League. So I think that there is pluses and minuses, right? You you can go. And you can go to the combine. You can perform okay, and you know you can come back and do better. You can come back and do the same, and and you know one guy improves his stock and one guy doesn't. Let's hear from Amin El Hassan, who you know I asked him the question about if you're Tyus and if you are getting a second round grade, what would be your advice to him? I found it a little eye-opening. I know that you completely agree with it, and I don't disagree with what he's saying here, but I, I thought this was a, a very interesting answer from a former NBA executive. If I am a guy who's going to get drafted, if I am a solid second-round pick, meaning not like 57, 58, 59, but anything I would say between 31 and 50, you come out. To me, you always come out. If, you, if you're in the conversation, you come out because the, the reality is being a second-round pick is almost an advantage if you're good. Now, I agree with what he's saying. Spot on. If you're Draymond Green, you come out, right? Yeah. If you're giving up college eligibility and you feel like you're that good and you could get to the, you know, get to the second contract quicker. A guy like Jeremy Grant, we questioned that decision at the time, that he didn't go in the first round, it wasn't guaranteed money, he bet on himself, and, and he's doing very well for himself. There are exceptions to the rule. And and I know you you're going to say well the rule is you know 91% of the guys who go in the first half of the second round they're they're getting they get paid they're, they're making yeah. the team. Are they are they cashing in on that second contract and I'd be curious to see out of that 91% how many guys are making real money on that second contract and how many just you know sign for the league minimum or whatever it is or stay around for another year or two. Again That's we don't fair, have, we don't I... have those numbers at our fingertips. So with a guy like Tyus He's still got two years of eligibility left. It isn't like a senior who has to you know, be drafted and he ends up in the second round. What does he do? He's still got two years left. Now, he could come back, and again, if it is truly a weaker draft class, and if he does improve himself, maybe he improves his stock. If he feels like, hey, I'm comfortable at number 40 or whatever it is, and, and I feel like I can make the team, then, then he goes and he, and he keeps his name in. I do have an answer, by the way, on the Malachi thing. Uh in 2016, Malachi did go to the combine without hiring an agent. The combine combine ended on May 15th. He signed with an agent on May 18th. So he went to the combine and said, "I'm staying," yeah. and then signed with an agent. And um, and and there you go. So 
You know, but Steve I, brought up the point know. that he, you know it, it it hasn't happened where a guy's declared and, and come back. Um, he would be the really the first test case, and and now Ty's battle I think is the second test case since they changed the rules because Tyler Lydon didn't try. I want to go back to something you just said though, and and you said you know how many of those guys who got money as a second round pick came back and got money as a as a first round pick, uh, real money, real money on their second contract. How many late first round picks came back and got real money on their on their second contract? That's fair, but they've got you more know, money in the what's bank. What's Tyler Ennis getting? They've got more money in the bank though. No, and that, I agree with the you. The other no, thing I would right. say about Tyler Ennis is that he wasn't a guy. It, like we could talk about this all day. Oh, no, no, no. He was not improving his draft stock. That's not what I'm saying. I, I just mean it from like a, a draft position thing, right? He he wasn't getting any better. He wasn't coming but back. Some and of doing that anything speaks different. to some of that speaks to how good of a player you are. Like Tyler uh, Tyler Ennis went. When his stock was at the highest, if Tyus Battle goes forty fifth this year, that will not be him going when his stock is at its highest. He will go when he feels like he is ready. But I think you know, you and I, we have to agree on this. If he went like forty second, if he came back, don't you think he would go higher next year? Like theoretically, he would be better. He would be another year, you know, stronger, faster, all that. He could you know work on his shooting, all of that good stuff. He's not going forty second next year, correct? Probably not. Right. No, I mean, so, but, but again. My point is with Tyler Ennis or Johnny Flynn, who was out of the league after his first contract, those guys went when their stock was the highest. Yes. And I and I don't think that's necessary. And I'm not saying Ty should go or stay. I mean, that's completely up to him. But I think we would both agree that, you know, his, Battle's stock is not at its highest currently. But we don't know what it will be, right? We, we don't know for sure that it's not its highest. Coming off a, fi- a Sweet 16 that you didn't expect and and being the guy, going second-team All-ACC, averaging 20 points, it might be its highest. It might. I don't and, think so. And we don't know for sure that next year, coming back, he will do anything differently. He very His ceiling in the ACC, and, and I agree with you, and I know we've had this conversation, he should have been the guy instead of Kyle Guy. We get it, right? He should have been first-team All-ACC instead of Kyle Guy. But you know what? Coming back next year, there's still going to be a bunch of guys on Duke and a bunch of guys on Carolina, and there's going to be some guys on Virginia, and they have to get one because they're going to be good, and there's going to be guys on Louisville, and there's going to be guys on Florida State and Miami, and he's he might have reached his cap in the ACC I don't think so. as a second team all ACC player averaging 20 points a game. That's fine. And if that's the and and if they go to a sweet 16 again, it'll be more expected. So like I I don't know that he hasn't necess- that like I I struggle to say that he he hasn't reached his highest and that doesn't mean that I I don't think he can go higher. I think he can go higher in the draft. I just don't know and I've said this the whole time. I just don't know that there is absolutely positively for sure a benefit of coming back. I don't think we're ever going to have an answer to this question because I think Tyus is staying in. I do too. But if he comes back, we need to revisit this a year from now because I don't yes. think there's any doubt in my mind that he comes back, they're going to be a preseason top, if he comes back, they'll be a preseason yes. top 10, top 15 team. I mean, they're uh, going to win. They're at, I don't know if they're a top 10 team. They're going to have their entire starting five back 25. from a team that went to the Sweet 16. Yeah, and a team that was mediocre they, for 30 games. And they have depth now. They had, they had five and a half guys this year. Oh, it, Seth, come on. I think if, they're top if 25 If everybody team. is back... I think they're top 25. Okay. I, now I want them to come back. I didn't care either way. <laughs> now, now I want them to come back so we, we can discuss this. Let's go to the phone lines. Dom in Syracuse has been waiting. Hey, Dom. Hey, guys, I thought that was a really intriguing interview, and I kind of agree with this last point. I don't think there is any benefit of him coming back if he is that, you know, mid-tier player. I mean, yeah, okay, if he, what you're saying is if he comes back and searches in the top ten preseason and, 
and we go through the agency and we do all this stuff. At next year's combine, uh, the the evaluators are still going to say they're not going to care what Syracuse's preseason record was. All of the all the superlatives for the Syracuse basketball team won't matter for Pius the individual when it comes time to to, to get rated a second time through. And, and this, this is where I think um, the point is made. You know, if he's unless he's going to end up becoming a lottery pick next year, which I mean, I, I, if he comes back and becomes a lottery pick, God bless. But I don't think he, he's going to. He may improve to bottom of the first round, middle of the first round, to to where he's at right now. And if that's the case, you're and and these and these rookie players are, are all playing for that second contract. If you're offered in that mid-tier status, if you're not going to change them in that mid-tier status, maybe you're gone. Go now. I mean, you get that. Get through that rookie contract as quickly as possible. Why waste a year in Syracuse that you're going to? That's time you've lost on your rookie contract. And, and Dom, hang but on. Th- Dom, hang on the line with us here for one second. Just let me let me respond to you. I, I I don't disagree with anything you're saying. What what I'm saying is in terms of whether or not I, I this is the part I disagree with with you and Seth about you know you both are kind of saying there is no benefit to coming back. My point is, is that Syracuse next year, I think we would all agree, if he comes back, they're going to be really good. They're going to win a lot of games. They're probably going to go deep into the NCAA tournament. He's going to play a lot of big games. He's going to play a lot of big games on national TV. They're going to get a good look at him. And you say, well, they're not going to care what their preseason ranking is. You're right. However, he is going to look better on a better team. He shot 32% from three-point range this year. Tyus Battle is not a 32% three-point shooter. The reason he was is because there would be five seconds on the shot clock. They would shove him the ball and say, here, do something, and he would force up a shot. He's going to look better next year because he's going to be playing on a much better team. He's going to have the pieces around him. They're going to win a lot of games. And that's what I mean is that you know perception is reality. The perception of, of Tyus Battle... Was Tyler Ennis a first-round pick? Was Johnny Flynn a top-six pick? They went because, I mean, if you remember Johnny Flynn, six-overtime game, that postseason, his stock skyrocketed. Was Johnny Flynn really the sixth-best player in that draft? Well, it turns out he wasn't because he wasn't even in the league after his his contract ran out. Go ahead. Okay, but I I completely understand where you're coming from, and there is credence to that, that, you know, he will get more visibility. This year, I mean, all these guys have visibility now. Everyone watches the games. They're all on TV. They're all on, you know, and everyone can see every game. He hey, he plays every minute this season. Now, the, 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 the thing you need to understand is if he comes back and, and he all of a sudden gets fewer minutes, he's on the court less. He has to distribute the ball more. Yeah, he may get better quality shots, but what's that actually, at the end of the day, unless it skyrockets him to a lottery pick, which, and like I said, it, it, it could. That's the bet. That's the gamble. Unless he skyrockets to a lottery pick, there's no advantage to staying. If he comes back as that awesome season, we make a Final Four run, and he play, he has a solid season, and he's still a, 20, he's still a first-round number 20 pick, there, there isn't a ton of difference between a number 20 and a number 36. You right. know, you're still and, playing through and, that rookie contract looking for that second payday. And, and listen, Don, we, we got to go. We're up against the clock, and I, I appreciate the call. And I, again, I don't disagree with what you're saying, and there's not really a right or wrong answer here. 
my point is is that 36 and 20 they are different. That 20 it's it is the guaranteed money, it's more money and it's more job security and they will give you more chances to fail for lack of a better term if you're the number 20 pick and they wasted quote unquote or used a first round pick on you than if you went in the second round and as well he's just a second round pick. Right. You send him to the G League if he doesn't work out, okay, no big deal. We'll, you know, we'll bring out another undrafted free agent or, you know, another second round pick. There is whether you'd like to admit it or not, there is more job security if you're a first-round pick. There absolutely is. There's more bias. You're, the, the top picks are going to get more of a chance. If Johnny Flynn wasn't hurt, I bet he would have gotten a second contract. And, and you know, Michael Carter-Williams bounced around and got traded, and uh, Anthony Bennett signed on with three more teams after Cleveland. It's it's what happens, right? You you get more benefit of the doubt if you're a top pick. we got to take a timeout. Full lines are open. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth with you up until 2 o'clock. Good way to go into the weekend with a, a good old-fashioned disagreement. And it continued Fire. during the break, so go ahead. You, yeah. you take issue with something I continue I to did. say. I did, and I said this yesterday on the air to you, Steve. And I, I think that people who are spending enough time to go and draft a guy or people who are spending enough time to think about drafting a guy know the the situation that that player was in in college. So I think that when you look at Ty's battle and you point out, oh, he was only a 32% three-point shooter, and you mention in the same sentence that he had to shoot a lot of times because he was the only option, he had to shoot a lot of times because the ball just wound up in his hands at the end of the three uh, of the shot clock. Like I, I think that people know that. And I, I think that scouts who are who are investing enough time and resources into drafting somebody, I think that they know that. Let me, let so, me, let me stop yeah, you yeah, right go there. Ahead. Let me stop you right there. What was the biggest question with Tyus Battle going to the combine? What his three-point shot would look like. Right. So while we understand the circumstances, we, even, we saw every minute he played. We understand the circumstances. I'm sure the scouts understand the circumstances. Do you Hang on. You're about to respond. Yes. Do you know what his average game was from the field this year? Just give me give me the his average. How Shots? many how many field goals made for how many field goals attempted? Uh, well, he shot what around thirty six percent from the field. I want right? I want numbers. I no, want no, no, how no, many no, times? I know, but okay. he, he shot 36, 37 uh, from, the field? from the field. He was thirty nine and change okay. from three point uh, range. Thirty two percent. Let's go. Uh, he's forty percent. Let's go. Eight of twenty. He was six for sixteen on okay. average. That was an average game for him this year. Six for sixteen. So and and from three point range, he was he was two, two for six five, and a half. Six, yeah. Two for six and a half. So my point is this: that was an average game. We understand the circumstances, but what was the question going to the combine? Is it, can he consistently can I, make the outside shot? Can I answer shot? this? Yes. Go ahead. Is it possible that even at his better number of thirty seven percent in his freshman year, when he wasn't the top option, when he was getting better looks, maybe that's not a good enough number to translate to the NBA? Right. And I think that's the question. Like. But, like isn't that isn't that? But more you would of a think that in two years or year? in a year and a half he's gotten better. So I, my point is, but he could, but he could have, and given the circumstances of the team last year, he shot a worse percent. You know what I mean? Like, like he could have gotten better shooting the ball, and given the circumstances of getting the ball all the time with three on the shot clock, here's my or point. having to put up more shots, it, he shot a worse percentage. Here's my point: the question with Tyus Battle is he a good enough outside shooter, you know, for his game to translate to the next level? 
Okay, and for everybody who keeps saying there is absolutely no benefit for him to come back to school, I disagree with that. Because if he comes back, he will be Tyus Battle the junior, not Tyus Battle the freshman who is the third or fourth option, not Tyus Battle who was the number one option on a team that literally had three offensive scoring options and they played five and a half guys and he played every second of every game. He will be Tyus Battle a junior who comes back with a loaded roster, all five guys back and on a better team. That's what I'm saying. So I we can talk about this all day, Seth. Yeah. For you to say there is no benefit. I've also brought up that I think that part of the problem with him coming back, as I look at it, is, and we didn't have time to ask Amin this. That he's old? The, yes. Okay. Yes. And that's a I fair that point. A and I'm not it. saying there is a right or wrong answer here. I'm not saying he should definitely come back or he should definitely go. All I'm saying is, is if he's going to be the 40th pick in the draft... Is there some potential benefit to him coming back? And again, we can talk about this all day, and I can f- find some potential benefit for him coming back. I don't think it's a no-brainer. He has to go. I understand if he does go and he keeps his name in, I get it, and you wish him well. And if he comes back, I think there could be some benefit to him coming back. Let's get a quick phone call in here. Pat and Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Pat. Steve, I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't even understand people's brains if, if they don't think there's benefit. I mean, it's... It's like you said. It comes down to two things. You go when your stock is the highest. I mean, when we talked last month, you know, and I had brought up some other players, you guys were 100% right. Um, When you look at Tyler Ennis, yes, he left. He wasn't going to get a higher stock. Anybody knows that Tyus Battle, if he comes back, just because, I mean, everybody says, oh, there's no way to predict uh, draft classes year after year. Yes, there is. There's Yes. When... When you look at – as soon as he withdrew last year, okay, that's one player that you know that's coming back, and, and you just go through player by player, and you can kind of see not necessarily how they'll project out, but what their stock is. So if, if anybody thinks that you can't project next year's stock, yes, you might get one high school player who blows up, but for the most part, you know next year's stock. You look at the high school seniors, and you look at the returning players, and then you're going to have some players who just pop in college. But, I mean, Tyus Battle is a lock for the first round and probably the middle of the first round if he comes back, which is a significantly better first. And I also have a comment about that guy that you had on. He, he's not 100% right at all. It, 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 it's insurance. Yes, if you can get a guaranteed contract in the second round and you want to go, you go. But – like you said, Steve, if you're Draymond Green and you're betting on yourself and you outperform your stock, then 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 you're going to cash in. But what if you don't? If you don't, you want your first contract to be as good as possible because you know what? There's a hundred highest battles um, trying to get a spot. I just think for for me, he can improve for one reason. Everybody around him is going to be better next year, so the defense can't cheat as much, and his shooting percentage is going to go up. And his minutes are going to go down, and his efficiency is going to go up. He's going to leave. I already know it. It's it's a done deal. He's he he's he's gone. And I think Syracuse is one of the snake bitten programs. Most guys in in battle situations they stay. Maybe it's the weather. I don't know. All right, Pat. Appreciate you checking in. The other thing about Draymond Green is that 
you know, he he was out of eligibility when he went to the draft. I mean, so he he got picked in the second round, right. and he so it wasn't like he even had to gamble. I think we can even go back to the example of Jeremy Grant and discuss that because that was a that was a true gamble, and he went in the second round. He bet on himself. Draymond Green just happened to go in the second round after right. his eligibility expired, and then he was better than everybody thought, and 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 his patches said outperformed his expectations and was able to cash in. Um, we do have to take a timeout. I'll, I'll give you the last word on this, Seth. I think he leaves. Well, I think he leaves too, but <laughs> I wanted I to say, okay, Steve, I see your point about there could be potential benefit to him coming back. I think that the I uh, I think that the negatives outweigh the positives as far as him coming back. All right, that's fair. And and if he goes, then then he thinks the same thing. And I I'm with Pat. I'm with you. I think he's probably gone. Um, but if he came back. I think it, it could very well help his stock and, and maybe help it significantly depending on, on where he drops to uh, this year. 315-437-7644. Phone lines remain open. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. All right, we've got about 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, let's get right back to the phone lines. John and Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, John. Hello, man. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm I'm good. It's Friday. The sun is shining. Yeah, nothing Maybe to complain the about. Will play. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, you guys were touching on Robbie Cano the other day and his Hall of Fame standards and whatnot. Yeah, I'd like to give you a take. What do you um, No, he does not belong in until he dies. I mean, it sounds bad, but it's the same way I feel about Clemens and McGuire and Barry Bonds and Pete Rose. They all cheated for the same reason. They all wanted the money. So Pete Rose can sell a baseball a heck of a lot more if it said H-O-F on it than it says Pete Rose. Yes? Yes. Probably, yeah. Yes. So that's why those guys don't belong in. They did it for the money. So until they're dead, no, you don't get in. The day Pete Rose dies... I'll be standing in line for his Hall of Fame petition. Get him in, but not till then. That's fair. I think that Clemens and Bonds are going to get in sooner rather than later. I don't think Pete Rose is ever going to get in, but yeah. Let me ask you this. Without the home runs, is Robbie Cano a Hall of Famer? Like I'm not saying what do you he, mean without the home. How do you I'm not saying think? he's never going to hit any home runs. I'm saying yeah. like if he wasn't, you know, I, I threw out the stat the other day that since he's been in the league, he has more home runs and significantly more. I think yes. it's by eighty. I think right. more home runs than any other middle infielder since he's been in the league. I'm saying if that wasn't the case, if, if he, he was, was just right if he was an average average middle infielder in if terms he just of had power, like fifteen home runs in more terms than of power. Else? Does does he do enough other things yes. well I, to be a Hall of Famer? I think he does. I think he's a fantastic hitter and a Gold Glove second baseman. Okay, so for you, he would be in, and and like I the mean, power. The power is a very nice bonus. Like, don't get me wrong, and and that's what puts you over the edge. But I, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, had he stayed as a Yankee, was going to be the greatest second baseman in franchise history. But not because of the home runs. Not That's what I'm trying to differentiate. I don't think so. No, I mean he's he's on pace for three thousand hits. Uh, you know he's he's on pace for three thousand hits. He plays a great second base. Uh, so no, I don't think it's only the home runs. So does that? Do you take that into account? Like if you think Barry Bonds was, or, or even Alex Rodriguez, maybe right. a better example. A Rod would have been a Hall of Famer without steroids. Sure. So do you take that into account whether or not you put him in, or or is it well he no, cheated I, and so they're they're all they're all the same. I said this to you yes uh, what yesterday two days ago and you hated it. I 
if you fail the test, if you got suspended, like you're you're knocked off immediately for me. So if you like like that so is you differentiate between A Rod and Barry Bonds, which to like, me like boggles know, my mind. No, I know this is like mind blowing to you. If you like, I'm not saying that I would automatically vote for Bonds, but if you failed a test or you got suspended. Like, you are automatically knocked out for me. Like, you're automatically crossed off my list. You're just trying to disagree with me today. <laughs> no, that's that's seriously, like, like if if you cheated, that's one thing. And it's terrible, and you shouldn't do it, and you probably shouldn't so be in the would, Hall of Fame. So you would but have no you, problem voting for Bonds, but a major problem voting for A-Rod. If you were dumb enough to get caught and suspended, I, I think on top of the fact that you were dumb enough to cheat, yeah. No, no problem voting for Roger Clemens, but a major problem voting for Robinson Cano. I'm I'm not voting if I ever get a vote. I'm not voting for anybody who fails a test. But you, you, you're skipping the part the of the question open. I'm asking. Yes, I would leave you the door open no to Roger Clemens. You would have no problem voting for Barry Bonds, Bonds and Roger Clemens. I would leave the door open for Bonds and Clemens. I because think even that if is you only, so hypocritical. Because even if you only, I, I know, of course it is. But uh, but even if you only include the parts careers, and, and it's impossible to do this. I, I, I fully understand that. But Because you never really know when this started. But Bonds before 95 was a Hall of Fame player. Clemens before 98 was a Hall of Fame player. You know, and and they weren't dumb enough to to, and the f- testing wasn't there. It, it wasn't illegal within the rules of the game yet. But I understand what you're saying. But I think that they're different. I, I think that those two players were so good, and those two players were so good without so the use of good PEDs. at cheating and so good at no, getting around the rules. The, it's without, so good at getting around the testing that without, they deserve to be in the Hall testing. of Fame. There wasn't testing. It wasn't in the rules. McGuire had a bottle of it in his in his locker. Everybody knew he was doing it. Well, you say because Barry, your point is Barry Bonds never failed a drug test. That's your point. No. Barry Bonds never failed a drug test, so he should be allowed in. But A Rod did, so no way. I'm saying that that is the first thing. I'm I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying that if I'm not saying it with regards to Bonds and Clemens. I'm saying. The players who fail drug tests are automatically disqualified. But you know I'm that not Bonds the- cheated. Yes. And you know that Clemens yes. cheated. So this is what I'm trying to understand. So how in the world can you separate them from A-Rod and Robinson Cano? I mean, you can't. You can't. It's, it's too hard to separate them. But what I was saying wasn't necessarily in regards to those two. I'm saying that if you're a player who failed the test, like with Robinson Cano, you can have all the suspicion in the world. You failed the test. I'm not voting for you. Yvonne Rodriguez, Mike Piazza, all the suspicion in the world. They never failed the test. And I have no, like, I personally don't have the proof that they did it. Like, I'm okay to vote for them. Okay. I am specifically asking you about Bonds and Clemens. No, they cheated. Okay. But you're telling me you would leave the door open for them. Because I think they're going to get in. I don't care what other people are doing, Seth. You. You have a vote. And and you have to fill out on your ballot who's getting in and who's not getting in. You have no problem voting for Bonds and Clemens. I'm ending up voting for them because clearly it has been it it has been made very obvious through the voting process that there is a difference between Bonds and Clemens and everybody else. Have you not watched you're, the Hall of Fame voting process I'm, the last decade? So you're telling me that you're gonna, out of peer pressure, you're going to go with the masses and say they they should get in. I'm voting for. I'm probably voting for the two of them. Yes. Why? Because I think everybody else is. No, because I think Roger Clemens is the best pitcher I've ever seen, and I think Barry Bonds is the best hitter I've ever seen. And A-Rod? Fail the test. Yes! I, I, we a, need to take a time out. because we're, I'm so yes, confused. Like, I, oh, you're like backtracking and then going forward with another thing and then backtracking again. You're Seth, going two steps forward and one back. I'm voting for time. Bonds and Clemens and not for A-Rod. 
Yes. Would A-Rod have been a Hall of Famer without PED use? Yes. I probably. I don't know. Probably. When did he start? You just said that Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer no matter what. You don't know when he started either. You said Roger Clemens would have been a Hall of Famer no matter what. You don't know when he started or how much he did. You... The answer is they're all they're all the same. Like if if Bonds and Clemens are in, then A Rod should be in. You said A Rod failed a drug test; the other guys didn't. Well, to your point, they weren't really testing for it. And well, Bonds never failed a drug test, so do we know for sure? I just said to you, did Bonds cheat? You're like, yes. yeah, without even skipping a beat. Yes. Did Clemens cheat yes. without even skipping a beat? Yes. yes. He cheated. They did. So they don't belong in the Hall of Fame. I mean, look. Ultimately, I think I think that baseball's in a tough spot because of all of this and and you're going to have the people who say anybody who's cheated is not in the Hall of Fame I tend to take the other side where I'll say it's part of baseball's history and I think that the Hall of Fame in total is a museum where you're looking at baseball's history which is why I would say Bonds and Clemens are in and then my and then in, what you're my point is is if you hang on hang we're on. not going to agree on this and you're no, going to no, 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 be yelling at me you're the whole frustrating time. me because if you if you feel like that then A-Rod should be in but why like, can't I why can't I feel that way and also say that my disclaimer is I'm not voting for anybody who actually failed a drug test I don't get I don't get because this. you still I'm know confused. that they you cheated. know that they cheated. So if you're gonna overlook it with Bonds and Clemens and say, you know what, it was a part of history, they belong in, then you have to say the same thing with A. Rod. He is a Hall of Famer. Yes. He is on the same level as Bonds and Clemens. Sure. So if they're getting in, in that's the part I don't understand. Okay. I get the two sides. I feel like you're melding Am the I two missing sides that together. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up the show right after this. I'll regain my composure. Back after this. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Our apologies to Max Burgandy. He was standing by for today's business. Then we took the phone call about the Baseball Hall of Fame, and then Seth had to deliver his convoluted explanation about who was allowed in and not allowed in in the steroid area. Can I try and clarify? It won't. It still. You still hate it, but uh, it'll. I'll try and make it simpler. I tend to think that the Baseball Hall of Fame is a museum of baseball's history. With that being said. I would have a hard time voting for somebody who I know failed the test and was suspended. Does that make it, e- no, Does that make it, it easier doesn't. to understand? No, 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 because you know that Bonds and Clemens cheated. And you're okay with them, but you're not okay with A-Rod. I, th- I have to think it's one or the other. Like, regardless of which side right. of the fence I stand on, it's like you're sitting on the fence. On the middle, yeah. And you're just arbitrarily saying who's okay and who's not okay. Listen, Mets back in action tonight against the Diamondbacks. Yankees finally play a game in Kansas City against the Royals. They haven't completed a game since Sunday. We're out of time. I hope you all have an enjoyable weekend. We'll be back at it at noon on Monday. Take care, everybody.